Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 32. Woo-woo! Yeah! <laughs> we Woo. have a great episode. Today, we are going to actually invite Engineer Dan to do a little bit of a an expose for us on bees. We're going to talk about Super bees. Super excited. <laughs> I'm excited to have Engineer Dan do a lot of the talking today. Yeah, dude, totally. We all have our roles to play <laughs> in the in the in this witch hive. We all have our roles to play. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if this is your first uh, episode tuning in, Engineer Dan is our behind the scenes uh, engineer, sound engineer, editor, and uh, pr- producer at times. But he knows the most about bees, and we wanted to talk about these magical creatures. So we're gonna let uh, we're, we're we're not gonna let. We've asked him to do a lot of the talking today, so it'll be great. But before we get to bees, Lindsay, how's your week been? My week has been the same as, you know, the past however <laughs> many weeks. <laughs> Which day is it? <laughs> There's not a lot going on. I did start um, yesterday making a little, what, I, what I'm calling my dark market in Animal Crossing. Ooh, what is a dark market? Is that for all your black flowers? No, no, the black flowers have completely taken over the island. This is for, I'm making it my my character's, like, sort of little business. So I have four booths so far. I have, and I'm, like, pretending to sell stuff out of it, even though, like, nobody comes and visits my island to buy anything. Oh, I I have a, I know, whatever. I have, like, five friends, so I'm cool with that. Five is a good number to handle. But I have, like, a little fortune-telling booth. I have a potions booth. I have I like a mushrooms and herbs booth. Ooh. And I have I have a wand booth. So That's so market. cool. I love it. I'd yeah. go visit that island. You should make that island in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I should. <laughs> awesome. Uh how's how's Mr.? We talked last week a little bit about pterodactyl. How's Mr. doing? Mister's doing well. He's um he's a pretty lazy guy. He's always by my side. We play this little game called Don't Touch Me, um, which is pretty funny. How do you Today play Don't we Touch Me? Earlier. So he's he's a really sweet, snuggly guy when he's awake, but when he's asleep he gets really grumpy. <laughs> and he doesn't want you to touch him all the time. So I'll like I'll pet him and then he gets irritated and you can see in his face he's getting like super irritated and he wants to fuck you up so he tries he'll like roll over on his back and his paws go in the air and the claws come out and he tries to grab me and like bite me and kick me so we play this game called don't touch me he's on his back and he's like waving his paws in the air and I'm waving my hand at him and I'm like touching his little paws as he's waving them at me called don't touch me (laughs) I feel like you're you're like tickle torturing your cat (laughs) Kind of, yeah, kind of. I think he likes it, though. <laughs> and things I will never understand, like why cats like the uh, that particular behavior or thing. Uh, the craft room, former greenhouse, is now open to the cats' access again because all my little plant seedlings have been planted and moved out of the room, which is kind of sad. But you know. Baby birds got to leave the nest at some point. And yeah. we have a couple of like big rocks. Like 
I don't know, like doorstop size rocks in there uh, that were used to like weight down something earlier. And dog has taken to sleeping on them um, as a pillow. <laughs> sometimes one, sometimes both. Sometimes he puts his head between the two so that the little crevice, <laughs> little V between oh. them holds his head up. But he like he generally likes Some to neck support. <laughs> yeah, he like he likes necks. He likes a firm pillow. <laughs> and he likes to put his little paws <laughs> out around and hug the rock while he's sleeping on it. It's so cute and it's so freaking weird. He's the only cat that does it, and he's immediately like, "This rock is my rock." <laughs> <laughs> What a goo. He's so he's oh so fucking gosh. weird. <laughs> Before we get on to talking about bees, we should probably light a candle. We should. We should light a candle. Ooh, I've also um I have ordered us fresh candles, but yeah. um, they haven't one, they haven't arrived yet. And two, sadly, the place where I usually buy candles that um we were gonna get those animal shapes from, they're not doing uh mailed delivery right now. Like we could go pick it up, but they live kind of far. So um oh. yeah. So I ordered from a, a new place in Arizona that make their own candles and I'll I it's a surprise. I can't wait. They make their own candle <laughs> molds. They're pretty cool. Uh but I do owe you an animal ritual candle as soon as I can find a good one. All right. Well, I still have the birth date candle. All right. if you need something. Well, right. we'll we'll use your birth date candle for now because part of my <laughs> part part of my order is also fresh tea lights and that sort of thing. I'm actually pretty low on candles. Womp. Oh. All right. So got it. Great. Done. Awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. So, actually, this is a great time to mention with the lighting of a ritual candle and sort of setting intentions for the episode today. Uh, I want to give listeners a little bit of a heads up on we are going to reset our intentions for our Instagram account. So, um, our Instagram has typically been focused on uh, pictures of Lindsay and I, of our cats, of plants, of cool things that we might see, episode notes, that sort of thing. Uh, but in sort of thinking about like what is the role of a podcast and what is the role of social media while Black Lives Matters is a really important topic that should be taking a lot of space and attention right now. Uh, we've sort of discussed and thought about it and we took some time to, you know, to put some thought into this. And I, I think that it's important to use our social media space for one of the tenants of the podcast. So we are cats, which we cover, uh, witchcraft, which we do a pretty good job on and empowerment. And when we started, I think we both were like, oh, empowerment from like a of femme perspective, of self-empowerment, of uh, also empowering others. So this is a great opportunity for us to use the Instagram platform to empower people of color and to share things like uh, black businesses that we discover, that we try, that we really like, that we know of or have friends that you know work at or anything like that to promote black artists in the community. We have a lot of really nerdy habits. We are uh, we're music nerds and comic book nerds and Dungeons and Dragons nerds. And um, so, you know, we like fashion and we like photography and we like shopping and like all of those things. So want to, you know, create a space where as we find them, it might not be daily. It might be five in one day. But as we find 
uh, and are inspired to post, we will use our Instagram platform to share both in our stories and in our actual posts, not only pictures of our cats and show notes, but also taking up more space for those that uh, maybe traditionally don't have uh, as big of a voice on social media. So posting a lot of a lot of people of color and uh, and queer owned um, and created art and businesses and that sort of thing. So heads up, that's what's coming. And if you have somebody that you would like to recommend, um, you can absolutely do that. You can drop us a line at 5C2Ppod on Instagram. Just send us a message. Um, or you can drop us a line on email, 5C2Ppod at Gmail as well. Cool, dude. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've got a little list of folks that, um, you know, I've... I've always kind of been like, oh, well, you know, the Instagram should be maybe like mostly our podcast, but that's silly. So, you know, people yeah, have got to get tired of seeing pictures of the cats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's more important things to say. And more, like, and, you know, I'm not particularly well educated and there's people that could say it better than me when it comes right down to the issues. So what I am good at is trying new products and shopping online and looking at art and reading comic books so I can absolutely make more space for that. You're also really good at posting on social media. <laughs> Not really. That I am lacking in. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. So also, if you have Instagram <laughs> tips in general, I would take those because I'm really just figuring it out through this account. And man, there's more than once where I'm like, I really want to share that and I don't know how. <laughs> You do a great job. I get anxiety at the thought of like having to post something. So <laughs> you're like my Instagram queen. Aw, thanks. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, I think that that's all of our things. We'll be right back in a second to talk about bees with Engineer Dan. Yeah. We'll see you in a sec, witches. Hello, guys. Engineer Dan, talking about bees. Woo! Engineer Dan! Hey, guys. Hey, guys. So I'm going to cite my sources real quick. It's one book in particular. It's by a guy named Thomas Seeley, and he wrote a book called Honeybee Democracy, which, Lindsay, you will note, is honeybee in the title, which means your your little bumblebee buddies. We're not doing those guys. We're not talking about those guys. No, man. Bumblebees don't do honey. Bumblebees uh, are loners. They don't live in a hive. Most bees, oh. in fact, don't live in a hive. They live in, like, holes in the ground and little knots in trees. And they go around and they collect the pollen and stuff like that. And then they, they, make, they, have a little, they, they break the enzymes down differently. And they have their little – that's how they feed. Oh, they have little thing. bee snacks? They have little <laughs> bee snacks. They have little bee snacks. Oh, man. But they are loners. They are the rebels of the bee community. We're talking about the classic honeybee. Yeah. Sweet. So not all bees are honeybees. Not all bees are honeybees, but the bee that is most populous, uh, originating from Europe and Asia and so on, but now is a worldwide phenomenon, is the honeybee. Uh, and yes, Veronica. Are there different types of honeybees? Yeah, there's okay. like there's a couple thousand different types oh, of bees. Shit. And oh. there there is a specific <laughs> genome that is referred to commonly as the honeybee, but like Asia's honeybees and the European honeybee are different varieties of okay. the honeybee. Cool. Which brings us to our first big misconception, historically speaking. Since there's been philosophy and science, people have always assumed that the queen was the 
like 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 as royalty was in charge of the hive, and that's just simply not true. The queen isn't. Oh. The queen's not standing there being like, "All right, you make more honeycombs, and you guys get go out and fly and go get some more pollen." That is not at all the queen's role in the hive. In fact, the only role the queen truly has, or the only dominion that she houses over the other bees, is making more bees. Okay. Is she then the only one who makes more bees? Correct. That's her unique superpower is that she is the bee maker. Ooh. Okay. She make it a bees. Wow. Her superpower is getting knocked up. <laughs> no, sort of. Yes. Sort of. So the, fir- the, first, the first like 10 days of a queen bee's life, she leaves the hive. Okay. She, she screws off out of the hive and she goes looking for uh, boy bees from other hives. Okay. And their job, because oh. the boy bees have bigger eyes, okay, th- to better to best spot oh. a to best spot a queen flying around outside a hive, they get together and she mates with like ten to twenty boy bees. Yeah, queenie. Holy moly. <laughs> She's having yeah. a good old time. I, I love that she wakes up and she's like, ah, oh, I exist. I'm gonna get fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I exist. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the boy bees are like, I exist to fuck. <laughs> Not surprising. Oh, yeah. So she gets in in that first little week, that first week with her 10 to 20 partners, she gets a lifetime supply of about 5 million sperm. <laughs> she just like pockets it. <laughs> Where does she put the sperm, Veronica? She has a little compartment. Above oh, her God. ovaries, that is for sperm storage. Dude, Whoa. gross. Uh, <laughs> so does she, can she like hold that there for yep. her lifetime, yep. just to like dispense as needed? Correct. Wow, I like that it never goes bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's right? uh, it's it's described in the book by Mr. Thomas Celia as more of a um, uh, it's more of like a. It stays in like some sort of like stasis, or you know, it's like stored dormant. She doesn't freeze uh, the eggs or anything. She just <laughs> this little compartment is designed to keep. It's like, like she's got her own little ball sack in there, but basically. just other people's balls. Yep, yep, yep. So she gets all the sperm, and then she takes it out, and she takes it back to her hive, where again the queen is not the boss. The only thing that she's in charge of is making more bees, and kind of she's also in charge of if there's going to be a like keeping other queens away. Okay. Okay. Because uh. our worker bees, which is the majority of that five million sperm, is going to be turned into female bees, and they are your foragers for pollen. They are your makers. Uh, they they make your honeycombs, and they they do all the important footwork of the hive. See, I didn't know that all the worker bees were female. So most bees that we see mm-hmm. are are lady bees, not boy bees. Or other bees, and yeah, I I'm kind of surprised, I guess, that you know if you have like a, a functioning hive, that all the ladies, I'm guessing, if the queen's not really in charge, make decisions in and amongst themselves, and the queen goes, yeah, and now I'll pop out some more babies for you. Oh, gee, this is a this That's is crazy. We're dealing with about fifteen hundred eggs laid a day. Jesus. Holy shit! Yeah. How many bees are in a hive? Um, but if she's if she's making like fifteen hundred beehives a about, day, a beehive's about you know a, a good size you know honey beehives like fifteen thousand bees. Okay. 
That's a lot of bees. That's a lot of bees. Whoa. Yep. So uh, the queen uh, fertilizing. Uh, so basically, she takes the sperm. This is where the sperm comes into play as far as the lady bees versus the man bees. When the queen <laughs> takes out one of her eggs and then decides to turn it into a bee at the, to the tune of, you know, 1500 a day, um, she fertilizes the egg if she wants it to become female. Okay. And, and uh, withholds fertilization if it, she wants it to become male. Okay. Now, she typically only well, generates, of all the bees that she makes, 5% of them as male bees. Okay. Copy, wow. that, go- copy that, Ghost Rider? So, yeah. So she's like, plip, 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 plip. So she's like, mm-hmm. worker, 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 fucker. Worker, 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 fucker. On a daily, <laughs> on a daily she's making just lady bees. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but when the hive is getting wow. ready, when the hive first wakes up after hibernation, Right. She's she got to make some boys for all those queens out for there. For all the other queens, yeah. because she's relying that they're doing the same thing for right. her. Exactly. They're in it together. Oh. Lady bees rule the world. Would you like a fun fact about a male bee? Yes. They fly 22 miles oh. per hour. How fast do the lady bees fly? Not that fast. Oh. They're, the males oh. are designed to fly a little faster because they got to chase down those queens. Oh. <laughs> oh. I, okay, I got to go back to the queen going out for a second. She, does she just go and hang out in one spot for like 14 days? She go and be like, this is my leaf. You can come visit me here. Or does she like fly around in like a 10-mile radius or like what's she doing? That is a fantastic question. She's going to fly around. Until she uh, finds or attracts the attention of a male bee. Okay. And then traditionally, male bees spot that happening. So you get this one queen in one spot, and the male bees come to her, and it all goes down uh, okay. over, over the course of that you know week or so. Okay. So it's sort of like a like a. They, they can smell the sex. <laughs> they find a private little place off the off to the side, and they okay. and they get their business done in a neutral territory. Because bees entering a, a different bees hive, of which they're not a part of the hive, are considered an outside threat. So they go to a place of neutrality, and they do their thing, and then she returns to the hive. Cool. The only other time the queen's going to leave the hive is should the hive swarm. Okay. And we'll get into swarming in a minute. Okay, sweet. I want to talk does about... Does the queen have, like, a, um, like, when all of that is happening, does she have, like, a come-hither look or something like that? <laughs> um, uh... She waggles her eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the male bees are designed to be uh, to to basically be like eagles in that they can spot a queen bee from a mile away, and she's a much bigger bee. So, but the queen does release a little something I like to call, and science likes to call, the queen's substance. Ooh. And that <laughs> that is that is certainly a pungent aroma. That's kind of like a come hither look. <laughs> it's more like a it's more the queen substance is more like a yo the queen is in the hive and when bees walk past her she rubs a little bit of the substance on their antennae. Oh. And then what do the bees do? Oh. They, they go to all different corners of the hive, and all the other bees can smell the queen's substance on the bees. And they're like, oh, okay, queen's here. We don't need another queen. Okay. No, no need to make a queen because we have a queen, and if we make any queens right now, the queen will murder them. Okay. So, oh. so the way a queen is made is, by, is not by the queen. It's by the worker, the lady bees decide, hey, time to make a queen. 
Okay. Wow. So they get together at the bottom of the hive, and they make honeycombs that are like three times bigger than all the other honeycombs. They make like six wow. or seven, right? And those the, the bees in those combs are then fed a specific nutrient, honey-rich, uh, for lack of a better term, like a diet of what they call the queen's jam or the royal jam. And that ensures that the bees that come out of those combs are queens. Is that the queen's jam, queen's jellies, same thing? Yes. Cool. Because I've yes. seen uh, – uh, now I'm kind of turned off by it. But I've seen um, <laughs> specifically hand and face moisturizers that advertise being made with queen's jelly. Yep. That is, a, that is very much a thing that bees make to make queen bees. And it is – um, it's a it's a nutrient rich. It's a, a nutrient rich <laughs> formula that makes them grow up big and strong. Now, the sure. the lady bees are our, our daughter bees, our worker bees. They're in charge of the bees that are the eggs that are hatching. They're in, they get they're in charge of what those bees are gonna be. They're like, all right, you lady bee are gonna go. You're gonna like work in the hive and and make honeycombs and beeswax, and you are gonna go be a forager for pollen. And they do that by inseminating the comb that the that the queen has put a bee into. Essentially, they 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 can change the enzymes in that particular cell of the hive to change the type of bee they're getting. By is it through like what they're Whoa. feeding it? Yes. So basically, depend they they decide if they're like going to drool a little or hawk a loogie in there, and not they're... a scientific <laughs> term, but, <laughs> but they're the, the the lady worker bees get to decide as a collective, you know, what kind like what kind of bee you're going to be by using their spit. That was too many bees in one sentence. But... A lot of bees, <laughs> but they. I, I I think it's cool that they just sort of decide as a collective we need more of this or less of that. Based on the needs of the hive, all yeah. the workers just naturally adapt on a case by case basis for whatever the hive needs. They get more of that. What be it a builder or a forager or whatever you are, that's what they do. That's their jam. What spurs them to want to make more queen bees? If the queen leaves. So if they no longer are smelling that sweet sweet queen substance all over the hive, right. they're like fuck. We don't have a queen. We gotta we gotta make queens. So they bang out Because they, they need more workers. Right. And that's why that's the only thing that the queen is good for. Now why would the hive <laughs> why would the hive be without a queen? Because the queen decided to leave. Oh, she just and fucked off one day? Why would the queen decide to leave? Because they've decided that they, they, they need to swarm. And that is where that is how bees propagate their sister hives and continue expanding. Okay. Basically if you're a beehive has too many bees in it, like you've you've filled out the you got to level up. <laughs> Two thirds of the bees in the hive and the queen leave. Oh that's wow, about, that's, that's about, a lot. That's like ten thousand bees plus the queen. You know, and you know how far away they go? Um, I'm gonna guess three miles. No, they go about a hundred feet away. <laughs> Ah, this is smart. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they do after they've gone a hundred feet away? They all cling to the side of a house. They all it, they all cling to each other. Okay. So it looks like a giant Aww. beard of bees. It does. Yeah. Bees have swarmed my parents' house uh, mm-hmm. one time, and I got sent photos. Yeah. And that is what it looks like. It looks like yeah. a weird dripping. It looks like they're dripping because they, I guess they're all hanging on and then falling off of each other. No, they're leaving. Oh. So they're hanging together to for safety and to keep the hive together. But 
10, 15, 20, 30 of those 10,000 bees, they're all flying off, and they're all casing a 30-mile radius oh, holy shit. of the swarm. Whoa. A 30-mile radius of the swarm for where the next nest is going to be. <laughs> I like... Ra- what a passive aggressive move rather than decide before they leave the hive like rather than send people out 30 miles away and then have them come back and be like i found a great new place for a hive let's all go and then they all go they just they decide one day it's time to leave they passive aggressively go 100 feet away and you're like fuck you guys uh shit now what <laughs> and then- i think you got you got the bees all wrong here veronica there that's not what's happening they've got so much honey in this hive that they can take their queen and build another hive elsewhere and they get out of the hive so that the hive that they're 100 feet away from knows that they need to make a queen. Oh, okay. Well, that's a different way to look at it. So they're still nearby the hive while the hive is figuring out that the queen is left. So now the hive has some time. Make a new queen. And nothing is fucked, dude. <laughs> This is totally cool. Meanwhile, the, the, the now that the bees are in swarm mode, they've switched off from working around the hive to let's find a new location. They like places that are like high in the air with a relatively small um, uh, entrance that is encased like a like a hall like twenty five feet out uh, up in a tree. If there's like a hollowed out section of the tree, that is bee that's prime bee territory. Nice. So they all go out while they're swarming, and they come back. And they're like, guys, I found a place. And then another bee's like, I found a place. And they do what, I, what they also do when they're hunting for pollen and things like that. And they do what is called the waggle dance, Lindsay. <laughs> yes. I love that. I have a similar dance. I, <laughs> er. <laughs> well, describe- well, yeah, I mean, I, wag- I waggle my booty a lot when I dance. Yeah, this is. Yeah, that's- it's, it's hard to, like, dance and look good when you have no rhythm. So if you're just waggling your booty, you look like, you know, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's fantastic. <laughs> so the waggle dance for a bee, and this is where they find um, your, they find like good sources for pollen, and they communicate. It's basically their GPS. One of the bees, let's say in this case there's a bunch of forger bees in a hive that are out of work. They don't know where to go to get more pollen. So they see... Um, they see one of the forger bees come back and go to a place in the hive and then start doing a waggle dance where they wiggle their butt back and forth <laughs> and they walk in a straight yes. line and then they semicircle either to the left or the right and waggle back. And this dance, uh, sometimes they go left, sometimes they go right, but once the dance is all communicated, it could take a couple of seconds or it could take a couple of minutes they get other bees that are like, all right, that one's doing the waggle dance. They know where the party's at. So they go, and they start, they start doing the waggle dance behind that bee. So this bee that started the dance has now got like a comet trail of bees <laughs> all performing the same dance. And as the bees that are following get, all, get the entire dance down, they fly off. And what they've just been told is the Based on the direction that the sun currently is, if you fly using these coordinates that I just communicated through this waggle dance to this area, you'll hit payday. There'll be a whole lot of flowers that need pollinating or what have you, and that's how they communicate uh, both good hive locations and where all the where the buffet's at. I love it. (laughs) 
That's awesome. All based on the position of the sun. Yeah, what the spot in the hive that the this uh, this dancer chooses to start the waggle dance is directly correlated to the position of the sun in the sky at that time. Whoa. So the, the position they are in the hive as a whole, and then the distance away from that position, if based on flying by the sun, is all communicated through a series of circles. How fast they waggle, how long they waggle, and which way they turn all communicate distance and direction to the bees that are looking for work. This is, uh, I have a folklore thing for this too. Ooh. Sort of. Um, <laughs> so, uh, because bees can communicate and tell distance, they can also feel the electromagnetic currents of the earth. And uh, they can, through these, uh, also f- predict weather patterns. So they can also communicate like, yo, a storm's coming. Uh, it's this far away. And that is one of the reasons that bees were often thought to be able to predict the future. And the god Apollo was actually taught how to predict the future in Greek history by three bee goddesses, Cleodora, Daphnis, and Melena, I think was the third one. I think that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, that's one of the reasons that bees are supposed to be able to predict the future is because they can talk to each other. Awesome. Nope. Thank you. Fun fact, <laughs> yeah. Ronald. Yeah, because they because they yeah. always kind of know stuff before people get it because mm-hmm. they're they're more attuned. Yeah, the average lifespan of a queen is said to be two to three years, and in that course of time, she will um, she'll make lay about half a million eggs. Whoa! Now, do they all Whoa. get fertilized? Like, or or not fertilized? Sorry. Do they all become bees? They don't all have to be fertilized to become bees. Right. But... The males are unfertilized yes, right. eggs, and right. the fe- and the females oh, yeah. are fertilized eggs. And then the queen is the royal jam fertilized <laughs> egg. So, oh, get back on but that. But, like, are I... there some duds that won't hatch? Yeah, that's sort of what I was wondering. Do they have, um, it, it, yeah, do they have uh, st- stillborn bees, I guess? Bees that come out wonky? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they come out wonky. <laughs> Just, you know, those ones didn't take. I don't know the answer to birth defects in bees, to be honest with you. Oh. They make so oh. many, and they all serve such a purpose. And uh, any bee inherently by itself is kind of useless. They, it's truly the hive mind, the collective intelligence, and the voting on with this information they get where their nest should go and so on. It makes the, the, uh, They are, they are uh, very much less, if I don't know, less the sum of their parts. The part I, they, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that one either. I, I really like um, – yeah. I'm really into the fact that it's the populace of the hive that makes the decisions and the quote-unquote leader of the hive that just facilitates their life. There is no leader of the hive, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, you know, fair. The, the, the hive the needs fancy, a queen. <laughs> the fancy bee. <laughs> the, the hive needs the queen. The queen needs the hive. Yeah. The queen's really more the heart the heart of the hive sure. than the brain. Oh, I like that. The workers are more the brain of the hive because they're, they're making the decisions that are best for the hive. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So back to yeah, the queen. Cool. Back to the, the, the queen in these different cells. So a queen is left. She's 100 feet away. She's waiting for some people to tell her where the next joint is going to be. And the, uh, the four old hive is making a new queen. So they, uh, a queen hatches out of one of the pods, uh, out of one of the queen pods. And if it's going to stay, she then murders 
all the other possible queen pops. I love that. You've what? told me this before. Yeah. She just walks down the row and and stabs into each of them, murdering any queen that might possibly be able to emerge from those pots. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I like it here. Fuck you and you and you. Yep, she's like, fuck you, you, you. I'm here now. And then she immediately starts doing what? Uh, she she leaves to go get fucked. Well, she makes some substance. Oh, make a little oh, substance. right, make Ow. a little substance so that the but, rest of the bees know yep. that. She, and, and she yep. she blesses all her hive. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, I'm here now. Stop making queens. I murdered these other potentials, and I'm gonna go get fucked. <laughs> so bees bees can uh, swarm. You know, late spring they can swarm. Early summer bees can even swarm in the late summer. The beehives that decide to swarm in the late summer are the ones that have less a chance for survival because they do hibernate in the winter. So that if they don't have enough time to really get their nest in order before it's time, they could starve in the winter if they don't have oh, enough buddies. honey. So oh, um, that's really sad. So, so a late swarm, a late summer swarm, is is generally not a high survival rate for the bees. Um, but at the same time, you know. It depend. It really depends on what size hive we're dealing with here, because this queen that just came out of uh, of her egg, and is and it, after her, the old queen had left, could also decide to swarm. So they, she could just be like oh. immediately take a, oh, no. like a significant number of the workforce and also leave, which is why they make oh. more than one potential queen, is because eventually they just whichever one's going to stay. <laughs> I just imagine well, that, uh, like the poor hive, that's like their fifth one, and they're like, "Stacy, Stacy, just, just, just hang out. Come on, just stay." <laughs> will a queen still murder the other queens if she's not going to stay? No. Or do they have to like? Is she just going to kill them all and then they have to start it all over again? The queen's act of murdering the other queens is a demonstration that this is uh, this, that I'm staying here. She wouldn't. Oh, okay. She would. She. I. I. I haven't seen it scientifically documented of a queen actually murdering the other queens and then leaving. <laughs> and then being like, "I'm gonna fuck off now." That would be. That would be problematic for the hive, for sure, for yeah. sure. So that's. Um, that's basically as deep into the society of bees as I want to get with this one. We didn't cover yeah. a lot, obviously. We didn't. We didn't cover like, well, what's the ideal location? What like, what are they looking for when they're looking for hives? We didn't cover. Uh, how do they all fly? How do how do ten thousand bees all fly together <laughs> <laughs> to a location that could be thirty miles away and not like lose each other? <laughs> there, there is a science. Science has told us how they do that, but that'll be a story for another time. Awesome. I do want to talk about. Aww. I do want to talk about murder hornets for a second, though. Okay. So recently in the news, like New York Times did an article early May about murder hornets and how they are yeah. now in the United States. They're horrifying. They're big. They're, they're like, if I see a wasp, I'm like, Dan, wasp, wasp, Dan, wasp, you got to kill that. If, if there was a murder hornet, I'd be like, we have to leave the house. <laughs> like, they're big. I would be shit. so fucking out of there. <laughs> Lindsay, have you seen a, a murder hornet picture? I mean, I think that I have, but I can't remember what they look like. So I'll I'll look again. They're per- they're, they look, <laughs> it's worth a look. They look like a tarantula-sized hornet. Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking huge. Oh no! Shit! They're that fucking big. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. They're big. Oh so, my god. So okay. So I would know then if I saw a, mor- a murder hornet. You would. You would. Right now. <laughs> right now, they're mostly West Coast in the United States, but there are bees all over the place. Right. 
And yeah. so bees have to be able to survive in a place where murder hornets also live. Now, hornets and wasps are carnivores, and bees are vegetarians. Bees eat the honey. Wasps and, and, and hornets eat other insects. The reason why this is a big problem for the United States is that our bees didn't get the memo on how to get rid of the murder hornets. Whereas bees in Asia evolved to combat them. And the way the bees in Asia get rid of the murder hornets is that when a murder hornet enters the hive of a bee, all the worker bees are like, murder hornet, and they dogpile on her. Wow. So they cover. like, and They, She ends up getting covered. This hornet gets covered in, in an, a giant orb of worker bees. And together they flap their wings like they do to keep the hive warm when they hibernate. But in this instance, they're cooking the murder hornet alive. Holy That's shit. That's amazing. I'm guessing that the ones closest to the murder hornet probably bite it. Bef- like, not literally bite it, but like they die like, the murder hornet's got to fight back. So I'm guessing, 100%. like, a bunch of them die, but not a whole hive. Correct. Correct. I mean, they're, the, the, the murder hornet would have decimated that hive, if not defended from. But to the tune of 1,500 bees a day and, half, and like, half a million over the right. lifetime of any one queen, yeah, be some, like, they're, they're sort of a... They're, they're, they're for, forgive the term, but they're more of a swarm tactic <laughs> yeah. than an individual, like, champion bee. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we lose some bees. That's amazing. We lose some bees in the process, but they evolved to, like, cook those things. That's, that is really amazing. Now, I, this automatically makes me have more questions about bees, but... Yes, we will, for another time. For another, another bee episode, Veronica. Oh, do you have any more folklore about bees? I do. I do have Sweet. more folklore about bees. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> but, but for next time, I want to know how American bees fight off, uh, fight off predators or invaders in general. Maybe not murder hornets. They apparently suck at that. But there's got to be other pests yeah. that come and attack them. Oh, I know how bees fight. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to know how those lady bees fight. It's pretty cute. For the next time, too, I want to know if bees poop. <laughs> of course, of course, you do. Of course, you do. of course, awesome. I do. Poop is like my favorite thing. And I'll tell you, what, like like most things involving bees, how they do most things involves dancing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, I did look up some some bee folklore. Um, and there's there was a bunch of stuff first and foremost like I didn't get into the use of pollen or honey in spellcraft or anything like that I just looked up literal like bee folklore and bees in witchcraft and the basic things that I found were the bees for fortune telling uh, that if you dream about bees it usually means good luck or good fortune is coming your way if you dream that a bee comes to visit you then a friend it needs to communicate with you. Somebody's like got something they want to tell you or you should be reaching out to them. Um, and then swarming bees as well, uh, that if they swarm on a dead tree, it was said that the that there would be the death of a friend in that area. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of accounts in Lincoln. There's a really famous one apparently in Lincolnshire um, that there was a witch that took a bee as a familiar. 
And um, oh. in Scotland, there was a witch who was a shapeshifter and used to kill the kids of her foe um, by shapeshifting into a bee and stinging them to death. And I'm wondering, in that area of Scotland, oh. how many kids died by bee stings for that to become a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Um, and then the one that really like st- struck a chord with me in Nova Scotia, which is where I'm from, um, in Canada, there was a story and I could only find the same sentence written in like seven different articles, but not the source of the sentence. So uh, apparently there was a male witch who killed a cow by summoning a white bee to land on it and sting it to death. And then he was accused of killing the cow. So I've actually ordered a book on Nova Scotia witchcraft folklore to see if I can find out more information about that because I couldn't, I couldn't find anything else. Just there was a male witch who summoned a bee. Uh, but the, wow. the most popular and probably the, the coolest um, two that I found were in the, during the Inquisition. Some of the d- demonologists of the Inquisition would say that witches would, that were accused, if they could catch and eat a queen bee before they were arrested, they could withstand the torture and avoid confession and the inquisitors would then use that information to be like oh you just ate a queen bee you're still a witch off with you and they would (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so they're like if you could do this really witchy thing you did this you you withstood our torture and didn't confess you must have eaten a queen bee and that gave you magical powers to avoid confessing you're still a witch ah that makes more sense yeah wow (laughs) yep so we're still gonna hang you (laughs) and then lastly the telling of the bees i've heard this phrase before but i didn't know what it was so the telling of the bees was really popular in england as well as new england um when you know the brits came here and brought their traditions and folklore with them so the telling of the bees was that the bees were and the beehives were considered a part of the family because a lot of people lived on some sort of estate would have their own beehives Um, so they were part of the family and in order to make them feel included like part of the family they would tell the bees all the important updates about the family so uh marriages ritual uh rituals shoot marriages births funerals deaths all of that sort of stuff anything really big and important they would tell the bees So that the bees would feel like they're part of the family and not leave. Because if they didn't feel like they were part of the family, there's a good chance they would just fuck off somewhere else. To the point that they would even give the bees and the beehive wedding and funeral invitations. And if they could not... Oh my goodness. If they could not have the funeral or the wedding near the beehive or bring the bees with them, they would leave food offerings for the bees as a replacement. That is so sweet. <laughs> I think that that could stem, could, I, ha- I didn't have enough proof of this, but it could stem from the fact that bees are closely aligned with fae in uh, a lot of Anglo-Saxon folklore. And so that aspect of like keeping the fae happy and then telling, yeah, telling the bees, telling these little failings, that kind of thing to keep them around. Bees are really important um, in a lot of cultures for a long ass time. And those are my favorite bits that I found. Love it. Love all of it. Thank you both. Thank you, Engineer Dan, for all the cool, like, 
super cool B facts and also Ronnie for looking up the yeah. awesome folklore. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I did remember one more. No, no. <laughs> uh, this pertains not to honeybees, but to bumblebees. So, oh, my favorite. In the, yeah, that's why, that's why I just recalled it. Uh, so apparently in the Witchcraft Museum in England, uh, there is, you can buy a little like totem bags, but there is an actual um, bag on display in the museum where you use, it used to be a, um, a magical bag of good luck. Like you would give it to people to bring them luck. And it was either a blue or black felt bag with three dead bumblebees in it. It needed to be specifically bumblebees. And it would bring you good luck Aww. or good fortune. So nowadays, Aww. people obviously don't use dead bumblebees. Um, they use either little gold metallic, like little gold metal bees, like little cast metal bees, or little tokens with bees on them. But yeah, three little bees in a bag for good luck. Oh, so if I find, like I love that. <laughs> so if I find any dead bumblebees this year, Linz, I'll make you a little bee bag for Christmas. <laughs> I love that. I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for dead bumblebees. There's one that's been uh, hanging out on my porch lately. I think it's one. I only ever see one at a time. Just being a loner bee, hanging out. Loner bees. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Engineer Dan, for sharing your bee knowledge with us. That was fun. I hope that uh, everyone listening enjoyed that as well. I'd like to plug Thomas Seeley's book, Honeybee Democracy, one more time, because I think it is a fantastic read, and it is available. It is in print currently, and if you want to know everything about bees, or if you want to know a little bit more about bees than you currently know, I think that would be the place I would start. Awesome. I'm guessing it's very approachable reading, not like super science paper reading. It is textbook with a lot of personality. Awesome. It's quite a fun yet very educational read. That's awesome. Well, we will take a short break and we will be back with our, our closing thoughts and Pussy of the Week. Yeah. I'm psyched. Yeah. For Pussy of the Week this week. <laughs> but no. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> See you soon, witches. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Did you get my bee pun earlier? I said that bees were sweet. Did you get that? Fantastic. <laughs> That's good shit. <laughs> Prime radio right there. Yeah, yeah. You got a good business in coffee mug in scrubbing. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. It is time. Ooh. For Pussy of the Week! Awesome. So, uh, we had a listener recently ask, why no Pussy of the Week last week? And it's not an every week thing. Uh, we do, you know, we do pick and choose. And I gotta say, before we do our uh, our, our selected ones for this week, uh, there was a plethora of fucking badass pussies out there this week and if you are speaking up for black lives matters for pride reasons for for people who can't speak up for themselves in your shopping habits in your protest habits in your donation habits in your whatever's you are a pussy this week so fucking thank you that was awesome of you to yeah. do yeah we, we have <laughs> we've chosen not one but two pussies this week because we felt inspired so, yeah. uh, so we're going to start off with our first pussy of the week is 
Havaya Mighty. And that is her real parent-given name. Um, she is a fucking badass. And she is a rapper from Toronto, Canada. Uh, oh, Canada. But uh, Havaya, <laughs> Havaya is, uh, is an amazing rapper. And she is particularly well-known for her particular style is a lot faster than other people. Now, I'm going to be the first person to admit I don't know much about rap or hip-hop. Uh, but I was introduced to Havaya through an interview that was being done by another band that I like, the Arkells, who are also from the Toronto area. And they did a little sort of Q&A on how she got into music and how she um, comes up with her, not only her lyrics, but her flows. And um, how does she like fit so many thoughts into such a brief period of lyrical time and she really broke it down uh and and it was the first time that I had really seen the way that you can take um really important lyrics and stretch a syllable and condense a syllable and flow one word into another in the same sort of breath and beat and it was really beautiful to watch uh her take something that she speeds up a million times but slow it right down to really get to the root of the um uh, the lyrics that she was working through and sort of her process. And she did that so that um, kids that are interested in learning to rap, she can be like, this is how I did it, but you can do it however you know feels right for you because my style is not your style and you should have your own voice and your own style. And she was the first person to say like, hey, listen, I grew up in a musical family. Both her parents are in the music industry. Um, and she acknowledges the... The unfortunate side of commercial mu music, which is she does have a very, a very beautiful face, so she, so she is more likely to get picked up and more likely to sell records. But she's also a producer, so she produces a lot of her own stuff and a lot of stuff for other people, too. But um, not only is she an awesome musician, she has done some research and some thinking as well this week. And she has started a petition in the Toronto area, um, started originally for uh, getting body cams to be mandatory for police in not only Toronto, but Canada. Because in Canada, body cams are not mandatory. It is completely 100% up to the officer whether or not they want to use it, whether or not they want to turn it on. And... Uh, and most police departments don't even have them because the costs are usually quite expensive, but not as expensive as they say they are. So she uh, is started a petition uh, along with several other folks um, in the Ontario area where um, recently a young woman fell, a young black woman fell from a 24 story balcony after the police entered her apartment. And it's very unclear as to what happened and if the police had been wearing body cams, we would have a lot more insight into that. Uh, so she has actually partnered with a local politician from the Hamilton area to take some of these requests to legislation along with better transparency and accountability for police specifically in the Toronto area, but across Canada. And if that's something you're interested in and you want to check out Havaya, um, you can also um, email her for more information. And she, she is in willing to engage in these conversations. She was very like, DM me on my Instagram if you want to know more, if you've got more information about this, because I really like that she was like, I don't know everything. I just have a lot of a lot of thoughts and a lot of opinions and I want to do something. So she's willing to engage in conversation, learn more and do something. And you can um, email her and uh, the politician that she is working with at 
Um, they're using police reform today at gmail.com for more information on how you can help and what actions that they're um, trying to bring to the legislature in that area. So I know we have a lot of listeners in Canada and Avaya, you are our first pussy of the week. She's fucking right. Yeah, we like you. That's amazing. You know, change has to start somewhere. So That's good for her for starting. A hundred percent. You know, focused on Toronto now. Hopefully it'll gain momentum and the rest of Canada will follow suit. A hundred percent. I really love she's got a really great um, video. She's got a clip of it on Twitter. Uh, but if you go to her Instagram account, you can see the full nine minute video and it's filmed over uh, four or five days where she's like, I'm really angry. And then it goes into, okay, I'm going to do something. I've started a petition. And then more anger and frustration. And then, you know, this petition has 19,000 signatures after like four days. She's like, oh, crap. Okay, now what? And now I've got a petition. <laughs> and so, you know, she's found this politician um, who uh, really supports uh, people of color and indigenous rights and black rights and queer rights and uh, women's rights and environmental rights and is very, you know, very active um, and very outspoken in his community in Toronto. And so uh, I really appreciated that she went from I'm angry to like, I'm going to do something and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try. And I like for no other reason, just being like, fuck it, I'm going to try something. Uh, really made her a pussy to to me in my mind. Hell yeah! All right, so Havaya is our first. Who pussy. we got next? <laughs> so our second pussy is also an, an entertainer, and I'm sure that we're gonna have at least one listener be like, "Really?" And hear us oh. out here because first and foremost, the pussy of the week is not uh, is not gender specific. So uh, our our second pussy of the week. Is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I am a wrestling fan. Engineer Dan is a wrestling fan. Stone Cold Steve Austin was probably best known Attitude Era, I guess, wrestling. Yeah, the height of his popularity yeah. would be like 97 to like 2002. Yeah, and he's ah. he was sort of the man before Becky Lynch took that moniker over and became the man. And uh, you know, he is the Texas rattlesnake. He's the beer guzzling, authority hating, and then authority loving. I don't know. He flip flopped in wrestling, but he's kind of got this. Uh, he's got an appeal to a really wide audience, and I. I think that it's safe to say that a large percentage of that wide audience would tend to be white Southern American rednecks. Yeah, he was the Texas rattlesnake. Yeah. And he often was billed as like, you know, this redneck son of a bitch kind of guy, you know? And so I think that unfortunately that resonates uh, with a lot of folks um, on the, on the wrong side of an argument right now. And recently it was brought to my attention on Instagram that he had an exchange online on Twitter with someone. I think it was Twitter. Uh, So I'm going to read this whole uh, exchange for a moment. Uh, So there was a a follower that wrote to him, a lady or somebody named April Vickery wrote, uh, in regards to the Confederate flag. She said, for us, it wasn't a sign of hatred or hate or ignorance. It's a sign of Southern pride, uh, pride in who you are, where you come from, from the people uh, and the people that you come from. You know, you stood for heritage, lineage, family and pride never stood for hate ever. 
And Stone Cold fired back in all caps because that's how Stone Cold rolls. But <laughs> he's always yelling. <laughs> he's always yelling. <laughs> he wrote back, uh, that's nice and all. But if I recall, it don't matter what it means to you because to African-Americans everywhere, it's a symbol of oppression, hatred, and inequality. So your little heritage, not hate story don't mean shit because your stupid little heritage was built on the backs of slaves. And identifying with that kind of sort of definitely makes you trash in the Texas rattlesnake's eyes. So if you can continue to spew your bullshit, but just know that none of us care, you dumb racist son of a bitch. And that's the bottom line. And for that retort... Mr. Steve Austin, I I give you pussy of the week because for somebody Absolutely. who is for somebody who is beloved by so many Confederate loving rednecks of the South or wherever, uh, for him to like fire back like both barrels and just be like, yeah, fuck your flag, fuck your stupid Confederate flag and your pride in the hatred of other races. I I love it. Yeah. Good for you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And and I <laughs> I really love that, you know, people all over social media right now are using their voices, uh, especially their voices of privilege and power, which Stone Cold's is, to to stand up for others and to say what is right. Two pussies of the week Absolutely, this week. Dan. And a <laughs> and a sport and an entertainment sport that is dominated uh by honestly, by white men in North America to have Stone Cold say something. And uh, I think that was fucking rad. I also like Stone Cold Steve Austin because he talked about pooping in his pants while fighting Yokozuna. <laughs> Yokozuna. <laughs> That's something that may, people might not know. Um, wrestlers do occasionally, um, you know, take a hit or a bump. Like, they, they fall in a particular way. And, yeah, and it, you poop yourself. And they poop. They poop. Yeah. It's okay. We all poop. <laughs> this is great, guys. I'm really, yeah. this is a, I'm glad, glad this is happening. Yeah. Everybody poops. There's nothing funnier than poop. Oh, no. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I, I love the idea of a guy who's all hopped up on antibiotics to fight a staph infection but still has to perform his job every week. And then he gets sat on by a Samoan man who's pretending to be a Japanese man, and he shits his pants on television. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wrestling's got some problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our, I think that's our episode for this week. Yeah, if, uh, yeah, if you've got questions for uh, Engineer Dan, uh, specifically around bees, drop us a line at 5C2PPod on Gmail, and I'll make sure Engineer Dan sees those. He does an Instagram with our Instagram account, so don't Instagram us. Email us. Um, I'm yeah. well aware <laughs> that there, I did not cover 99.9% .9 of the deal with bees, but there's just so much. Give me a break, guys. Oh, yeah, 100%. But we'll, we'll be you some more. a lot. We'll be some more, and I would love to specifically answer any of your particular questions. That would be, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll wait a few weeks. We'll do another B-isode. Oh, it's a B-isode. Totally. Till then, you can be awesome. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of more B-puns. I got nothing. That's great. I think we got to wrap it up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week. No pervs. No Nazis.
We'll see you soon. Totally. Love you guys. Pandas are the bee's knees. I want to know where bee's knees comes from.